Welcome to Accounting High. Today, I'm so pumped to bring you the first book in our series. This book isn't just one episode in the mini-series. This is a three-part production on Atomic Habits, an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones by James Clear, The Habit God. And I like to call this The Habit Bible. I present to you Atomic Habits for Accountants, Part 1, The Fundamentals. Welcome back to our class. It's the guide. Please take a seat. Step into this unique guidance session. Navigate with me. It's the capital S. Oh, yes, I'm fresh. C-O-O-T-Y apostrophe. O-K-R apostrophe. You see, the show is intended to guide you with advice. Vision goals on mission. It's time accounting. high. yeah. This profession, I think they're in the mood for some fun and inspiration. Hell okay. yeah. Okay. What up, Scott? Gotta lead with ambition. What's that, greed? You gotta grab your attention. Intention? And it's gotta be abundant. Public good. Accountants. In unexpected places, we ask for your attention. Conversations about the state of the profession. Emotional intelligence, atomic habits in a bundle. Infinite game, Rye Holiday, we stay humble. Find your purpose in class with tech apps. Jedi mindsets, James Ash has got your back. Verhelst to discuss her vision for the profession. Evolution conversation with Jeff Wilson II. And I'm going to continue to put the rap down with impact now. And if you're active listening, mind the imagination gap now. Yeah, Janitor Scott, coming to you live from the closet with a bucket and a mop so find a cozy spot we all want financial freedom a-c-c-o-u-n-t-i-n-g-h-i-g-h preach putting this course together sit back relax open your mind classes and session guidance class at accounting high it's guidance class at accounting high and um it's guidance monday in accounting high show so tune in to the next episode Scott Scarano and Twyla Verhels. We're going to have a problem here. This is a pretty powerful book. It was suggested to you. I, I've read it several times, but it's still always suggested. Uh, like the most next to the Bible. <laughs> this, today, this is our Habits Bible, right? It um, is a Habits Bible. And what's funny is that it actually wasn't suggested to me. I've had people who have assumed that I've read it. Versus people saying, have you read this book? You should read it. They say, it sounds like you've read this book, which, which is was really definitely that the book resonated with people and thought you were a role model or somebody that is living it or are doing things that are representative of the book, which that's perfect. If we're going to talk about it, because it's your fresh take, right? It's your first take on this book. I didn't mean to drop the fresh there, <laughs> but... I was trying not to laugh. Fresh fresh take on a fresh (laughs) book here. Welcome to Fresh Book Reports. Why are we spending so much time on this book? Why is this book that powerful? I do believe in the power of habits, and I've never really known why. What I like about this book is it's explained to me 
why. And when I think about the, the initial explanation of habits, some of those, those pieces really rang true to me. You know, looking at the first chapter, I was talking about habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. The compound interest of self-improvement. Who doesn't want to improve? This right. profession is full of people who are constantly looking for opportunities to improve, and I'm no different. And so knowing that habits, I've always known that habits are a good thing to have, but I've never really understood exactly why. But when you hear it spelled out like habits are the compound interest of self-improvement, that to me kept me reading. It's like, all right, I'm up for this. I want to improve, and I didn't realize that habits are such a big piece of that success and improvement. A bad habit would be the compound deterioration of a person, right? That's right. That's right. But we all want to improve. We're sharing like what it is that is like clicking for us. I think there's something in that because we're getting different clicks. And so it'll be a bit of a, a couple different angles on this book anyways. Let's just start with the fundamentals of habit forming and habit changing and learning why certain things work and why they don't work and why maybe you've tried to do something for a long time and you haven't been able to either implement it in your life or in your practice for your employees or try to change anything about you. So let's get into the fundamentals. This is going to be good. I'm on my best behavior today. I'm in a good mood. So <laughs> one thing I love about when I'm reading this now is the difference between forming a habit and breaking one isn't that different at all. It's just inversing. It's just flipping it upside down. Anything that does work with forming a habit also works with breaking it if you flip it. And right. that's kind of how I look at life, you know, like a, the ones and zeros. I'm either all in on something or I'm all out of it. I never, I'm never in the middle of stuff. So like when I told you today, I hit all my habits. Like that's what I plan to be on, fully on until I fall off again. Mm -hmm. I don't know when that's going to happen. But last year it happened around from March to November. I stayed on and then November to March, I fell off. I don't know if that's a weather thing or if it's just a travel thing. What prompted the fall off? And then how do you then set yourself up to, in the event that you fall off, how do you recover from it faster and get back on? And that's where I, I love part of the pieces of the identity and how your, how your identity plays into forming habits. And if you've told yourself, I'm somebody who mm. loses my habits or falls off my habits when I travel, then you will fall off your habits when you travel and be comfortable with not being in habit when you get back. If you have a lot of resolve in who you are and who you're going to identify with, then it's harder for that to fall off. If you're more confident in who that person is and you, I, I'm much better being outside, out on a walk if I'm on a phone call than if I'm sitting in front of a computer. But when it's colder, it's harder to go outside. And I don't like walking in the cold because I don't enjoy it if I'm frigid. I think weather has to play into this. And so environments is a big part of it too. How do you create a habit where walking is still sustainable despite the weather? Because you can't control the weather X number of the months of the year. The weather mm -hmm. won't be well, Scott's move, ideal right? temperature. <laughs> or you, you create, create a different habit that gets your body moving for the periods of time when you don't enjoy being outside. Yeah. 
That's true too. I, I like the little incremental stuff. I have a very addictive personality. I am an addict of all good things and bad things. I'm all in on something or I'm absolutely not doing it. So I can, I can really flip the switch. I've noticed that in my life over time, I can flip the switch on stuff pretty easily. I smoked cigarettes. I stopped smoking. Didn't really phase me at all if I've committed and I've identified with doing something or not doing it. I can relate to a lot of this because I'm at its core. You know, when I decide to do something at our firm, I've tried to instill good habits in everybody at the office. Last year, we had a habit chart for everybody. Everybody had to pick one thing they were going to do for work, for their health, and for their life. You know, and then just track that each day. No judgment or anything, but just we tried to do a shared sheet for like exercise things. It worked. It gained some traction. But once I stopped paying attention to it, I don't know if everybody's still doing it or not. So it's like trying things, what works and what doesn't work. Going back to the fundamentals and learning why certain things work and why they don't work and why maybe you've tried to do something for a long time and you haven't been able to either implement it in your life or in your practice for your employees or try to change anything about you, good or bad. And it, it's interesting what you said there about the type of person that you are and what you tend to do because that speaks to some of the pieces that he's uh, James Clear speaks about in the book about in identity and how your identity plays into your habits. The other thing that you sh you said that prompted me to think about one of the other kind of punches in this book, you call them an aha, but sometimes they're kind of punches in the gut, <laughs> is every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Interesting. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you want to become. I thought that was really powerful use of language because we all have our ideal oh I want to lose weight or oh, I want to have more clients or oh, I want to earn more money or oh, I want to spend more time with my family we all have that we all know what we want t typically or we know what we want to change but we don't realize that the small little incremental actions we take are actually speaking to how we're progressing to be that person paying attention is the first step to changing. Paying attention to what you're doing, whether it's right or wrong, and just being non-judgmental about all of that. And then to identify the things that can be changed and the things that are gonna take a little bit longer. You said who you want to be versus identifying, well, this is who I am right now. And how do I become that person? Well, gotta identify with it. You gotta believe that you can become that person before anything else will happen. And then it's just the reinforcement of that over time. And it's incremental. So as we get to the fundamentals, I forget about goals and focus on systems instead. That one right there definitely resonates with what we're doing at our firm and what I'm doing like in my life. I said, forget the big goals. And we, those, have, those are important. But you, know, you start with what direction are we going in? Where are we headed? And what are the smaller things that we can control each day to make sure we get there? And then the goals end up getting hit or being passed if your systems are right. If you're just focusing on big goals, then it's always going to be little short-term gains and then falling back and then just little short-term things. But if you're focusing on the systems, then that's a gain every time you hit that. And that's why 
our scorecard changed last year and we are tracking the processes more so than the results. So how many times did they time block that week? All of the employees are, are putting that on a, like that's kind of one of the charts. And I do pay attention to that one actually. They are tracking how many days they time block, how many meetings they've had with clients that week, how many, how many hours of sleep I get <laughs> that week because that tends to trail into sales. So it's the systems and the things that are hit. And, and then we can notice, well, if everybody is meeting with their clients, clients are never upset about stuff. They are never emailing me or hopping over somebody to say how bad. The only time that they're complaining is when they don't talk to their person, right? So if you want happy clients, then what are the things you can do to keep them happy? Communicate with them, right? So it's, it's focusing on the systems and then all the other things happen as a result of that. But overall, the reason I wanted to do this with you is because you're somebody that always is focused on health in general, physical, emotional, and mental habits play a huge part in all three of those. If you're doing the right things and you have your life in sync, it's your habits that lead to who you identify with. And if you identify with the person you want to be and that's what, and that's who you are, then everybody's happy, right? I think you bring up a really important point about processes. And I was just looking through my notes to be able to quote exactly what he said, but you tweeted it. <laughs> Even before we started down this journey, you tweeted it about, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. When you're talking about running a firm, that we all talk about processes and workflows and efficiencies. These are all the buzzwords that we all like to talk about a lot. And when it's framed in that way about you won't rise to the level of your goals, you, you'll fall to the level of your systems. That's another punch to the gut of you can dream really big, but if you don't actually have the foundation to get there and do the incremental steps to get there with consistency and your whole team doing that, then your goals will feel like a dream instead of a goal that you're likely to hit. So yeah. that, that plays into the, your, your firm, your family life, your wellness, your eating, your exercise, all of those things. Well, I've, I've started to care less about the goals and care more about achieving everything that I'm supposed to be doing and having that be the win. Then you're also you express more gratitude for just the small things and you appreciate a lot of the small things that are being done. The big things, tend, like I said, they tend to actually hit anyway. You know, and he puts a big emphasis on goals. A lot of people do say you need goals. We're teleological creatures. We need targets and we need to hit, we need to go towards something. We're human. But when he says that goals restrict your happiness or goals are at odds with long-term progress, there's something there. If you've already read this, you might know what I'm talking about. But the purpose, it's like in a golfer, they are focused on their process, their system, and every stroke and every hit, they forgot about the last one. And they're not always looking at the scorecard or the scoreboard. A basketball team or a football team, they're focused play by play, moment to moment, or people that have the right fundamentals, focused on tying their shoes the right way first and foremost before they even get on the court. And everything that they do, it's not superstitious. It's just how it has to be done for the game to be played well. 
And so when it is time to perform, just an, another day on the court, right? Or another day on the course, another day on the field. Yep. So. Yep. He talks about that with respect to winners and losers. Like when you think about sport, winners and losers both want the same thing. What is the differentiator between the two? And often, I think in this profession, we get guilty of showcasing the wins or we see one another's wins and we assume that there was some sort of magical thing that they did that maybe they did once and that resulted in the success or the win. A series of events that led to that point where the success happened. And you're right, either we don't see any of that or we see one small snippet of it we don't see all of the incremental steps or habits that got to that spot. And I would love for us as a profession to start to expose more of what are the day-to-day things where you don't see the instant results, but it, you know it's contributing to the path that you're on and where you're taking your firm to or where you're taking your team to or where you're going individually as a professional that we start to showcase some of that that isn't quite as shiny but it's it's what gets to that end spot or that spot of that goal being hit um yeah there's so much learning and understanding that about one another so i'm pretty proud of my numbers right now because i don't care about top line anymore i only care about bottom line and we're above 50 percent profitability and i'm pretty proud of that but it took a lot of lot of things to get there this time last year we were at like 10%. Wow. So that's a big it shift. Was, it's a big shift, but it, it's a lot of little things. It's not just one thing. I can't, I can't, you can attribute top line to one big thing that happened or one, you know, oh, wow, we started doing this and this is working out great, you know, but bottom line, especially in the service business, but we did a lot of different things and they're all working, right? But that's the only way to get increment, like that much better. The, um, the cyclers in mm-hmm. England, they did so many little things that you might not think would matter, but they all added up to gains. And that's why the gains are so big and why some people are so much better at something than another. I think of Eminem and rapping. You know, he is infinitely better than a lot of people, but that's because his first album was infinite. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. But he is a... He's a when you repeat something every day and you have these incremental gains that continue to build on each other. So I'll probably always bring up Michael Jordan or Eminem and people like that as, as we do this. Cause I think those are examples of people that have done it right. Well, this is a perfect time to share the data. Cause some people love the data, right? Like when you talk about numbers and, and the small incremental changes, even with that bike team, the numbers that, James Clear says in the book, are 1% better each day. For one year, you'll end up 37% better by the time you're done. That's a lot. It's a lot. And so somebody who's a numbers nerd, (laughs) like probably a lot of us are, 1% each day results in 37% overall. Do you think about a shift in your focus or a shift in your direction by that, that amount? you will go, you will end up in a different spot. Well, if you're in LA and you want to fly to New York and the plane moves, what did he say? Four inches? Yeah. You end up in a totally different place. Like you end up in DC 
Yeah. If it's four inches, like that's the incremental difference that it makes over time. Um, yeah. You know, we we're always here these big numbers, but it's the it's the small things that that really build up and they matter. That's what you said about compound interest, and that's also what happens with automation in your firm. So if you can automate a lot of the little things and you're not spending time doing the things that don't matter, that's what compounds too. I think people that have experienced the impact of automation at their firm, they know that's like the positive and the negative compounding automate automation. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking like you, if you automate and have habits on autopilot because you're not even thinking about something and you're doing it and it's benefiting you versus at the firm. I mean, these things are just happening in the background. You don't have to pay anybody to continually spend the effort and time to do this. So it's, you see that on your bottom line. Like, so the difference between profitability can be huge when you automate things. And even in your life, it's the same thing. When you talk about me wanting to always talk about wellness, we know that if we could save our team X number of minutes, that those minutes turn into X number of hours. And over a course of a week, that turns into X number. Like, you get where I'm going. You can see the efficiency gains in your practice, and that's really clear to us as, as accounting professionals. But then when you apply that to your life, for some reason, that same logic doesn't always translate. And so it's easier for us to utilize tech and, and evolve with tech for the efficiency gains on the practice side. But sometimes on our personal side, it's not quite as transferable to, to be a plug and play or an obvious investment of the time it takes to set up technology to gain the, the efficiencies, et cetera. But it's still, it's still there. In life, we're looking for the quickest fix to make us feel okay. And so it's the stress, it's the emotional pain, it's the physical tiredness, mental tiredness, and that's, that's what I meant by stress. So then we're going to just want to sit on the couch and watch some TV after a long day of working because we're stressed versus doing something that could make us feel better across the board instead of that short term. So our body's kind of used to those things. The way that we think about our mental health is different than the way we think about physical. And a lot of times exercise is attributed to physical wellness and you want to lose weight, you got to exercise more. And that's why people exercise more. Eating is really what helps people lose weight, eating better. And I think exercise is for your mental health. And then sleep is for everything because you can lose weight if you sleep better because you have more control over your metabolism and you, your thoughts process on food when it comes to time to eating. These fundamentals are obviously going to be key in changing anything. You said something, though, about the, the mental capacity. And I will admit that when I started reading this book, that as he was talking about the habits, even though I was buying into the reason to invest in yourself and, and to create these habits, there was still an element of me that was thinking, I don't have time to do one more thing. Like, I, I was thinking about do I actually have the time to commit to setting up these habits? But within the fundamentals of the book, there's one piece in particular that got me bought in. And it was when he spoke about habits reduce cognitive load and free up mental capacity. By making the fundamentals of life easier, you can create the mental space needed for free thinking and creativity. So for somebody who feels busy, 
I hate using that word when somebody says, how are you doing? Oh, I'm busy. I, I, I'm trying to like get rid of that language, but I do feel busy. I, you know, I have a job, I have a side hustle. I'm a mom, I'm a wife. We're all busy. But as somebody who does feel busy, it feels comforting to know that this investment is going to pay off as in the investment of creating new habits because of the fact that it can reduce cognitive load and free up mental capacity instead of just feeling like that's one more thing I have to do. Yeah, and there's some very practical ways to get there. There's a chart, the three layers of behavior change in this in this fundamentals. And it talks about the outcome-based habits versus identity-based habits. It is very hard to keep up with the outcome-based habits when you're busy and when you're trying to just add one more thing that one more thing on top of everything else it is just one more thing and it's easy for that to fall off because it is just like a it's going from the outside in rather than from the inside out and this is where you change who you want to be and then you think of all of those things that that person would do so you think of somebody that is a role model for, or that really embodies that. What would they do? That's why people wear that what would Jesus do thing around their arm. Like the, it's, if he's the person that they think of for, as far as the identity of what he would do or not do, then that's, that's probably why Atomic Habits and the Bible are so close to each other in, in, in suggestions, right? Like what would, what would that person do? when you're trying to make a decision to stay up later to watch another episode of the show, or if you want to drink a soda or grab a water, you know, it's, it might be easier to make those different decisions. If you've already realized I am that person that I look up to or that, that I would think would do that when you are that person, you don't even have to make those choices and they become automatic. So you're not adding one more thing on top. It's just something you would naturally do. So it's partly choices first because that's what helps you get that mental space. If you don't have to make a choice, you have a much better time with all of the other things, especially the big things, if you don't have to choose on the little things. But let's talk about the identity because I I love that part. I mean, for those who don't know, and I don't know if I've shared this with you, Scott, I have a psychology minor from when I went to university. And I think I hone in on it more than I maybe should or, or appreciate that I do. But the identity one for me was big because as as I've evolved as a professional and now I'm leading others and I'm also being a mom, I'm really mindful of self-talk and the times that we either don't talk nicely about ourselves. In fact, the saying I like to think about is, are the thoughts inside of your head that you tell yourself something that you would tell your child? Would you ever say when you read an email and, you, and you, it didn't go the way you wanted and you think, oh, I'm so stupid, I'm such an idiot. Would you ever say that to your child? Like most of us wouldn't. And so I, I like thinking about self-talk and positively speaking to ourselves and thinking about ourselves. And so then the identity chapter really spoke to me when it was like you were just saying deciding on the person that you want to be so whether that's your role model is Jesus or somebody else or or your unique self as the ideal 
with the ideal characteristics and habits and life that you are, are wanting to have, what is that person? And then proving to yourself each day that you are that person. And so that you're not even becoming that person, that you are that person. And even the small things around, like you talked about your sleep, you probably used to be able to say, I'm somebody who operates on four, four hours of sleep. I'm good with four hours of sleep. Oh, hell yeah. That's I always said. Right. I always said. Yeah. So it's identifying with yourself as who, who you want to be mm-hmm. and, and the habits that you want to form. Right. And, and I just thought that was super interesting how it's not just positive self-talk. It's actually shaping your self-talk in a way that sets you up for success when it comes to habits. If it's, I'm somebody who now does these three things each day, really consistency, or that I know that I know myself and I know I do better when I get 10 hours of sleep, right? Like you, it's just slight tweaks of what you say to yourself that impact your ability to invest in yourself with these habits to be the person that you want to be. So I think I have an unfair advantage because I'm definitely an extrovert. You're an introvert. And the difference there is all of my self-talk is out loud. And so everybody (laughs) around me that is around me a lot knows what I am or am not. So it's almost easier. Like early this year, I shared with you that I wanted to write a rap. And I said, Mm -hmm. I'll do it by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. It's already written because... Partly because in this book, it was like early when I started reading it, it was like each time you write a page, you're a writer, right? Well, each time I write a line, so one of my habits that I hit, you know, for consistently was just do, now it was four lines a day. Now I'm I'm almost resolved to it only being two because it's still fine because sometimes I'll write six, sometimes I'll do two. It's finding the process and, and how these things become autopilot and how they become easier, like environments. That's a huge, that, that's a huge point that we'll get on in the, during the first law. First, it's identifying with who do you want to be because it's not about being the best at something. It's not about, and that, that was one thing that I, I had a hard time with most of my life is if I ever wanted to do something, I wanted to be the best at it. And if I wasn't and I started doing it and it wasn't the best, then it wasn't worth doing. I'm never going to be the best at anything. There's always going to be somebody better at something. So I got to, that's a, that was a, really hard thing for me to grapple with and eventually I did and I became less envious less jealous and everybody's a friend and when everybody becomes your friend then you learn so much more no matter who it is so on on all levels of that the core fundamentally to know that who you want to be you don't have to be the best at whatever it is and then everything becomes more fun and more enjoyable the process of doing it because it's you're never going to really set yourself up for failure if you don't have to be the best yeah yeah i I love that thinking and this goes off a little bit of a tangent from the book but still plays into the identity is one of the things that i try to think about is when it comes to being the best versus not being the best i'm the only one who could do it like this and where the, I have an advantage uh, of that learning is actually from my daughter. My daughter has autism. And I have been really comfortable and confident to say, 
I am the person who should be her mother. And the reality is that every parent is the person who should be their child's parent. But when you're parenting a child that has special needs or has other challenges, it just becomes so apparent that it requires a, a, a skill a parent. <laughs> it requires certain skills that only I have and a certain level of commitment that only I have that I am the person who should be her parent. And so it, it kind of brings this creative, unique skill set. Am I the best parent in the world? Of course. Of course, I don't believe that I am, but I believe that I am the only one who can parent, be her parent the way that I show up for her as a parent. You're her and that's best applied. parent. Right? I'm her, you're I'm her, her best, best parent. parent. Yeah, yeah. It's apparent that you're her best parent. <laughs> uh, I like that. It's, um, you're the only you. So that you're unique in, in the infinite number of ways. The snowflake, right? Mm -hmm. So um, for somebody that lives in colder weather, normally, you know, you've got got snowflakes. Actually, your weather's probably not decent right now. What's it, what's it like there? There's no snow on the ground here right now. I had to check because earlier this week there was still kind of snow in spots where there was shade, but there's no snow left. So Oh yeah. It yeah. almost snowed um it, it almost snowed here last weekend. I think it snowed in different parts of here, but now today is yeah, it's like 73, so That's nice. It's, um so becoming the person that you want to be starts with changing the person that you are and that's gonna that's gonna happen over time it's gonna be incremental you're not gonna lose a bunch of weight the next day but by doing a lot of different things toward that all of a sudden you're gonna realize that you can be well below the weight you thought you would even you know become and it's not just never just one thing it's always okay you know standing up first every hour not just sitting down all day and then it's choosing the right meals and, and drinking the right things and then exercising more it's all of these little things that builds towards somebody that's overall more healthy and it's not just about the goal of losing the weight because if it's about the goal of losing the weight then you're going to gain it back again <laughs> after you've hit it and after you've reached that goal it's that we're going back to the goals thing part of the fundamentals the cue craving response and reward that's a that's a good one. It's the feedback loop. Yep, and let's then go the, there. Um, cue, so the feedback loop is something good because that's what we use in our firm. And every time that we try something new, we use that feedback loop. And I try to make it shorter with after action reviews and more communication to talk about things that went well and that didn't go well, what we should do more of, what we should do less of to finally refine it and get it in the best place that we should make a system of it. That's when we're trying something new. When you're trying a new habit, the feedback loop is very important. And we either learn habitually, subconsciously, or intentionally. The habitually can be intentional or not, depending on how you use the word. Some people might say, oh, I just formed that habit without even knowing it. That's subconsciously. But if it's intentional, then the subconscious stuff can become intentional too if you're observing it. That's what understanding how this, this shit works is really key into all of that good financial habits and good health habits and good learning habits. Well, you might not be great at all of those things, but innately you might be better at some things than others. Like I've always had good financial habits regardless of anything. And maybe that's because of my hereditary, my, my blood there 
being half Jewish, but I've always had very good financial habits. Health habits, I had good role models, so I had decent health habits and they could be better. Learning habits, I never had great learning habits. I had to really strive to do that. I, I was good at learning things that came naturally, that came normal, but trying to learn something new, I always gave up on that stuff. So those were things that I just highlighted. You got to make sure you know who you are and what comes easy to you and what is what doesn't, because it's easier to reinforce the stuff that you're already good at. Yep. Part of the reason that people have assumed that I've read this book is because of the video per day experiment. So the video per day experiment was always intentionally called an experiment, not a challenge. That plays into the feedback that you're talking about. When you're challenging yourself to do something, you're checking the boxes, I have to do this. Once I do this, X number of times, I'm done, I can forget about it. Versus an experiment is opening up space to be curious and not being sure of what that outcome will be and exploring it to see what happened. And so that's gathering feedback. What happened? What showed up for me? What did I learn? What went well? What didn't go well? That's an experiment as opposed to a challenge where you can just be like, ah, done. Never looking at that again. So I, I believe in, in being curious and treating each thing that we do as an experiment and exploring what worked and what didn't. How did I show up? How did I react? How did my team react? What, what did my clients do? And really getting intentional about exploring that as opposed to calling something did or didn't work, done or not done. That's a really good point that you made because I wear a lab coat on the cover of this podcast. <laughs> and, and that's something that I've, I try to make sure that I do. And to reinforce that, I bought a lab coat too, because I always want to question things. Just experimenting with stuff rather than just doing it or not doing it becomes part of your identity as well. That's why I, I want to identify with that. Nothing is certain. Nothing is absolute. And that's a scientific mindset. That makes all of this stuff a discovery and a learning process rather than a doing or not doing. And it becomes a evolution of who we are, who we want to be. That's a perfect way to uh, close the conversation. Do you have anything else you want to add? I love the it. Fundamentals? No, this is, this is great. Uh, obviously, the cue, cravings, response, reward comes up again and again. And a lot of the yeah. things that we touched on on this session will definitely come up again. But as far as a deep dive goes into the fundamentals and, and the book that we are identifying with and what we're trying to do here, this is a good discussion. Yep, this is good. Next up, the first law, making it obvious. I like that because then so we can talk more about travel and some of the things that rattle us from our habits. We didn't leave anything on the table because the table's still there. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Thank you Thanks, for Scott. listening. Thanks, Twyla.
Welcome back to our class. It's the guide. Please take a seat. Step into this unique guidance session. Navigate with me. It's the capital S. Oh, yes, I'm fresh. C-O-O-T-Y apostrophe. OKR apostrophe. You see, the show is intended to guide you with advice. Vision goes on mission. It's time accounting. Hi, yeah. This profession, I think they're in the mood for some fun and inspiration. Hell okay. Yeah. What up, Scott? Gotta lead with ambition. What's that, greed? You gotta grab your attention. Intention? And it's gotta be abundant. Public accountants! In unexpected places, we ask for your attention. Conversations about the state of the profession. Emotional intelligence, atomic habits in a bundle. Infinite game, Rye Holiday, we stay humble. Find your purpose in class with tech apps. Jedi mindsets, James Ash has got your back. For health to discuss her vision for the profession. Evolution conversation with Jeff Wilson II. And I'm gonna continue to put the rap down with impact now. And if you're active listening, mind the imagination gap now. Yeah, Janitor Scott, coming to you live from the closet with a bucket and a mop. So find a cozy spot. We all want financial freedom. A-C-C-O-U-N-T-I-N-G-H-I-G-H. Preach, putting this course together. Sit back, relax, open your mind. Classes in session. Guidance class at Accounting High. It's guidance class at Accounting High. And um, it's guidance. Monday in Accounting High show. So tune in to the next episode.